Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Cordell Riley. Hello, welcome to Training Unleashed. I am really, really excited about this episode. I know that our audience is going to be as well. So why am I so excited? I got one of my friends on the call today. Megan, how are you doing? I'm great, Cordell. I'm super excited today as well. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Oh, well, I'm excited to join you. So why am I so excited to have Megan on? So for those of you that are not know, do not know, Megan actually works with Tortle. Megan Sweeney is one of our client engagement managers. I'm going to let her introduce herself in a moment. But one of the things that we thought would be neat for this particular episode is Obviously, we're bringing training experts to this podcast, and we said, hey, we got some great expertise inside our own company, so why don't we get some of our own people to step up and talk? And Megan was one of the first ones we talked about, so Megan is with us today. So, Megan, do me a quick favor. Introduce yourself to our audience so they don't they, they obviously don't know who you are, and they're going to love you just like I do once they hear more about you, but tell the audience who you are. Thank you, Cordell. Um, Well, my name is Megan Sweeney. um, And yes, I am a client engagement manager and learning strategist um, with us at Tortle Training. Um, And one of our goals is to make um, effective training easy. So I am super excited to uh, join today and talk about a new topic with the Training Unleashed. Uh, Prior to joining Tortle, I have been in the training space, but mainly in the food and beverage hospitality industry, Um, was able to write some great programs and help train just so many great people. Um, And I love my new partnership with Tortle to share not only my expertise, but um, get to grow in all industries about so many topics we love about training. So um, I'm really excited to be here, Cordell. Thank you so much. Very cool. Very cool. So, Megan, maybe if you wouldn't mind, just expound upon what you did in hospitality as it related to the the hospitality sector. Were you training in front of the house, back of the house, managers, all the above? What did that look like? A great question. Um, Yes. So that would be the all (laughs) and the and. Um, I started uh, at the bottom as an hourly. um, I like to say the bottom, but I started in the hourly position as a server Um, out of college and went through a great management training program myself and got to train in all positions of management and then became a training manager for the front of the house um, for a large company. And my next step after that, I became a director of training um, for a new restaurant brand. So we got to build from the brand up and uh, created manuals for hourly and management, um, did some great recruiting in colleges to find the right fit um, and to help grow people within the company, which will, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I became the director of training for a local restaurant group um, here in Charlotte and was able to do 13 openings with them. And that did involve training trainers um, as well as training um, new managers and cross-training managers. So it's been a, um, a great ride to not only create materials, um, but to really see people come alive um, within the company and the cultures as well. 
Very cool. Very cool. So, Crystal, if I got so server training manager, director of training, so certainly moved up throughout the uh, organization. I guess something that I know you touched on this a little bit that I want to go back on a second for you talked about that progression and certainly seemed like it was a right thing for you and a great fit for you. But sometimes it's not always the right things to move somebody from one role to elevate them to that next role. I know you have a passion for that. So talk about that for a little bit, if you would, please. Absolutely, Cordell. Um, It's a big passion of mine. Um, Companies um, do enjoy what I might call promoting from within. And that is a great um, mission and value to have because it can really grow the company culture um, instead of maybe always hiring from the outside. And also employees, hourly or managerial do like companies that offer that and have a great career path to look forward to. So while those are all very positive traits um, for companies, it can be done incorrectly. And um, in my own experience, for example, there's been times where just to kind of give a quick example, a server in a restaurant or possibly, you know, a person that works on a retail floor, They're the top server. They always show up on time. Maybe the top sales, all the great performance reviews. And they say, we think you should be a trainer or a manager. And the person often will say, great, absolutely. They might not think about it, but they're excited that they're getting promoted. And while they're always ranked number one for two years in a position, the story that so many people listening will understand and shake their head yes is they became the worst manager or the worst trainer in that company or that location. And what can result from that, which is easy to guess, is their performance has gone down. Um, their leadership is not as pleased with them. But even worse, that human being that got promoted, their confidence has gone down and maybe one day they might even leave the company because they're no longer happy. Have you ever seen something like that before, Cordell? Yeah, you know what, Megan, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I love the way you described it because you're taking something that should be such a positive. You know, here's a person that's working so well at X and now we're going to move him or her up to something. Now the person is not doing well, the customers are not being taken care of and it's just not a good thing. Yeah, Megan, I've seen that. So, um, yeah, I actually worked in franchising for quite a bit uh, before I started doing this. Obviously, still working franchising, but the company that I worked with was on the automotive side, and I saw the exact same type of thing. You know, somebody was a great technician. Now, let's take that technician and make him or her a service manager or manager of this particular location. And guess what? It's not always the case that that person is going to move to that next level with ease. You need to have things in place to help them do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Megan, let me go back for, for a second here. So, obviously, we can see the downside of what can happen when it's not done effectively. So, for our audience, as you know, obviously, is training professionals that are looking to do things the right way. So, if you wanted to give our audience some advice about how to not fall into that trap, what would you suggest that they do here? I'd love to. Thank you, Cordell. Um, the very first thing is um, planning for growth in a company versus the need. So often the quick pitfall or mistake is there's an opening and all of a sudden we have to fill it. 
and now, like for tomorrow, and you go ahead and find that best, you know, performed person. So if lots of companies could take a step back and work on their strategic plan, you know, for the year, three or five years and see where they'd like to grow and what positions they may need to fill. And some people will call that bench strength. So that's the first thing I think is the best practice to put into place. But then after that, Cordell, is where are we going to source these people to put on our bench and fill these positions? And my next piece um, of advice for this that works out well is, yes, you can start from within, but it's about that employee engagement. Um, Does your team know that there's room for growth? Second, though, what would they be interested in? So to go back to promoting that tech person, retail person, server, um, sometimes they say yes, but they really didn't want it. So if we can dig into our current team members and say, what, you know, if you were to grow within the company, where would you like to be? And the neat thing about that, you may find out they want to go into marketing and that way they could really thrive. So that's my second piece is really find out if it's the right person, as they would say, for the right seat on the bus, mm-hmm. right? So there's my first two thoughts. But the really big one, Cordell, that sits in with me is most of our listeners know the term onboarding. Right. And onboarding typically thinks of a new hire. Usually the word orientation is associated with onboarding and training. And then, you know, how quickly can we ramp them up 30, 60, 90 days? And that's awesome. So many people say that our orientation onboarding program is just rock solid. Our new hires stay forever. What we really fail to do, or a lot of companies, is onboarding for the promotion. And what I'd like to challenge for our listeners is, do you have ongoing onboarding? So is there a 30, 60, 90 for the new promoted person? Do they have a whole training program or do you just throw them right into the water? Do they have a trainer? Is their trainer a certified trainer? So to really take that blueprint for a new hire, copy it and really massage it and evolve it for the right thing for the person that's promoted because that's where you'll really see your success. Does that kind of sink in a little bit, Cordell? Yeah, it does. Uh, Megan, you said a lot of really, really good things, but you just gave me a new term. At least I had not heard it this way before, ongoing onboarding, which is certainly makes sense when you think about it because when I think onboarding, okay, I got a brand new person, never worked with me before. I'm going to bring this person on board, and hopefully, I have an onboarding program in place for that person. But your point's very well taken. If I'm moving somebody from a server to a, I'm uh, for whatever the role might be, server to a manager role, I need to onboard that person as well. So ongoing onboarding. I love that new term. Thank you. Yeah, love it. Yeah, we have, um, it's kind of like the Peter principle, you know, you can keep promoting somebody because they're successful until they fail, you know, and again, that goes back to the beginning where it really hurts the morale um, on all sides. And, you know, we with Total, um, we've worked with several companies, Cordell, where we help build um, curriculum design uh, workshops for all their positions. And we have these great light bulb moments with clients and they'll say, you know, we don't have a program for a shift leader. We don't have a program for someone that's starting a new role. And we'll say, actually, you do now. But the question and the challenge is, what are you going to do with it? 
And, you know, whether you've got, you know, hands-on training or e-learning training, again, that's going to take some strategic planning and investment. But if you invest the beginning on the ongoing onboarding, um, or perhaps even better, Cordell, bench strength, maybe they can take some training before they get promoted. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like interviewing the person. Do we interview somebody before they get promoted like we do a new hire? You know, do we test their skills? Is there a realistic job preview? So there's so many things that we could do effectively um, that could really promote promoting from within, can make that company more advantageous and marketable, you know, because a referral to your friend or, you know, family member that this company is great because of their ongoing training, ongoing onboarding. So there's so many positives, Cordell, that could really um, push away a lot of the pitfalls and errors that companies do experience. Wow. So, Megan, it sounds, so role-based curriculums are obviously something that's needed for this to be effective. Obviously, you got you, you got to have the mindset that we're going to be onboarding, ongoing onboarding, but we need the role-based curriculums laid out and then placed in order to do this effectively. Absolutely. So many, um, you know, I myself, for example, um, I've made my own errors writing training programs for you know, levels of um, promoting and career paths or letters, career letters, if you will. And um, it's that person that's sliding up, you know, they're leveling up that I myself didn't have a great program for. And you really just take it as if they were hired from the outside as a new hire for that new position. But you could almost do a competency checklist and then go through, let's say, if there's modules in a role-based training program or what have you, and see if they can, you know, Cordell, see if they can test out. If they can test out of something, great. But it looks like they've got a weakness in, let's say, building budgets. Okay, great. You can make a personal training program for somebody, and depending on what the roles and responsibilities are for that new role. But to go back, yes, Cordell, um, it goes back to that basic organization. There does need to be, let's say, job description, roles and responsibilities, even a performance eval for each role. That way the human being going into it knows what the expectations are. Awesome. Megan, this is awesome. We could keep talking for the next two hours and still not get all of this covered, uh, but we want to keep these brief. And I know you have other things to do today, but I am going to throw it back to you. You've obviously shared some great things, but if you had to leave our audience with one big thing to make sure they take away from this, what would you leave our audience with today? I do, um, Cordell. I had some challenges I wanted to put out there for the audience. And my first challenge, and I know we're not going to get, maybe somebody will write in. And by the way, anybody can, you know, call in or write in or things like that. Um, Here's my question. In your company, for the audience that's listening, who was the last person that was promoted that failed in the new role? And once they can figure, see that and like to know why. And my next challenge is, Did they ask the person if they wanted to be in that new role? And my third one is when they go back to whether it's the CEO, vice president, director of training, do they themselves think they've got an ongoing onboarding? Say that real fast three times. I might ask you, Cordell, to do that before we're done. Do they have an ongoing onboarding plan? (laughs) (laughs) 
Very, very cool. So Megan, is this something you want to put out as a challenge? You want people to actually respond to you with this? I would love that, Cordell. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll make sure we get your contact information up on the screen so people have your phone and email and they can respond accordingly. So thank you for issuing the challenge. Absolutely. I love challenges. <laughs> so, Megan, thank you again for the time. So, audience, I get the pleasure of talking and working with Megan every day. And, yes, she has this level of enthusiasm every single day. So it's not a put on for you guys. Don't. Yes, you're f- special, but <laughs> this is Megan <laughs> the day out. Megan, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Cordell, thank you so much. And everybody listening, have a great day. Awesome. Awesome. Again, thanks, Megan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Training Unleashed. Please continue to come back for more additional episodes. Take care and have a great day, all. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.